What's going on, y'all? Bud Elliott here. A little solo Noel cast for a National Signing Day. I mean, National Signing Day, it, it, I don't want to use the old wrestling, hey, it's it's still real to me, damn it, thing. But I, I do miss when it was a really, really big deal. And now it's it's simply not a huge deal. By the way, if you're a YouTube viewer, obviously, thank you. Uh, secondly, no camera today. I'm rearranging my office and, uh, yeah, just kind of, you know, off-season housekeeping stuff. So it's going to be an audio-only episode, not something we need to have a lot of graphics for anyway. So, but yeah, happy National Signing Day. A pretty quiet uh, signing day for the Knowles as, uh, as anticipated. FSU is going to finish, I believe, uh, 12th in the 24-7 sports composite ratings, uh, 14th if you use uh, 247's rating. So ultimately not a huge difference there. 23 commitments, uh, 16 four-stars, zero five-stars, and seven uh, three-stars. So a, a good effort, uh, the best class that Mike Norvell and company have signed to date. I think things are you know, improving in terms of recruiting high school. And we've already talked about a lot of the class. We talked about it on the early signing period day. But you know, getting the quarterback, Luke, is, is a huge, huge deal because you, you want to keep stacking that position with guys who have elite upside because quarterback truly is the position that can change fortunes for you. You saw it this year when you had Jordan Travis, you know, a guy who's probably going to be a, a draftable quarterback and I think almost certainly would have been had he not gotten hurt. We'll have to see what the NFL says you know, about that post-injury. But uh, still somebody who I – if I had to guess, I, I think he would be drafted. So having a really special quarterback can, you know, duh, bud. Yeah, of course it's going to change your team. Getting elite length at the corner position as well on defense with Lester and Howard and Kai Bates is huge. I'm a huge Cam Davis fan. I mean, just I, I, I really, really big fan of his. I think Landon Thomas is a guy who can be a very productive tight end for you. And I, I mean, obviously, I like him quite a bit. Another guy in the top 200 on 24-7 sports. And I think you did a pretty good job, you know, in sort of the, some of the down-ballot guys. Like, you know, can, can Ty Hilton or, you know, maybe a Jaden Todd, can, can one of those guys emerge and be a really useful offensive lineman for you? you know, can Elijah Moore uh, you know, maybe play even above his rating? I think potentially if he, you know, takes care of everything he needs to take care of. You know, can D.D. Holmes, can he be an impact pass rusher? I, can Denos White be a guy who can be a, a good plugger for you? So I, I see the fits. I see the intent of what they're trying to do. You could sit here and tell me like, hey, compare this class to, you know, to Georgia's class. Do you think you're you're gaining on them? I, I don't know. But again, you're, you're improving basically every single year, uh, either off the field or on the field, or in some cases, both under Mike Norvell. And I, I think he's just doing an excellent job with the program. I should probably thank some sponsors today. We'll start with Tarpon Cellars, awesome winery. Got to check it out. Out in Cali, check out their wines. You can get some in Florida. If you're out there, hit them up. Really great job. They do. I believe Graham is taking a uh, much-deserved vacation today, so I'll I'll, uh, I'll hit him up later. And a couple of these topics I want to start off the top are, are topics I want to do a sort of a, a show with him. But for this, I, I thought it was a fun one. So we're going to take a question from our Patreon today, patreon.com slash Nolcast, and go over it and kind of discuss it. But there are a few items that I wanted to uh, uh, to hit up today. So apologies. I'm going to take this coach back. 
All right. So Tennessee, the Tennessee lawsuit, Tennessee getting uh, their TRO rejected, request for one, excuse me. And uh, we'll see what happens with, with that case. I think they're still fairly likely to prevail on the merits if you read what the judge wrote in declining to issue a TRO. More on that in next week. The Big Ten SEC forming an advisory group. That's a really, really big deal. Uh, we we may be speeding to the end of the current governance structure and organizational structure of college football as we know it. Uh, but probably talk to Graham more about that one. Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times had an excellent rundown on all of the private equity uh, research that Florida State has done, and just far how down, just far, just how far down the road they are with looking into that. So. Check that out from Matt Baker. I think that's another one if you want to look into. And uh, so that I want to save for Graham for a show. Returning production that Bill Connolly put out. Unsurprising, FSU is about 86th in returning production. When, when you lose as much as they did off that, that excellent 2023 team, unless you go out and you get a lot of proven guys in the transfer portal, you're, you're going to have a ton of returning production questions. And they do. Certainly, right? So, uh, but yet, returning production is a really important measure. It is a fairly predictive measure in most cases, but it's not a guarantee. And what Florida State did this year with the portal is is different than what they have done in past years because they went for guys who presumably have more upside in many cases, but lesser production. And I think that is sort of a, a reflection on how the roster is improving year over year. And, and what, what do I mean by that? Well, think about this. It's hard, it's really hard to get guys who are super, super talented and super proven in the transfer portal. So you, in many cases, you have to sort of make a decision. Do I want to get a lesser talented guy who is very proven as a decent player or do I want to kind of do more of the moonshot thing and go for a guy who I think has real next level ability? Even if he wasn't good enough to start at Alabama in his first couple of years, which a lot of guys are not, there's really no shame in that. Okay. And that's what Florida State did. I think that the fact that they are going, you know, for a higher level of ceiling suggests that it is harder to crack this starting lineup now in Tallahassee than it was two or three years ago. That's fairly obvious, I think, if you take a look at it. But it's not something we should lose sight of. So yeah, they're not going to be as high in returning production. Very few super elite teams are high in returning production because they send a lot of guys off to the NFL and they count on their guys internally in their program, you know, to step up. All right. But anyway, uh, that's from Bill Connolly with the returning production piece. The question I wanted to take today from our Patreon uh, reader, John, it said, hey, would you rank the staffs in the state of Florida on scouting, coaching, recruiting, and program development? And I'm just going to use the the big three. I, I know UCF's in a, a quote-unquote power league now, but I, I don't I don't really like they, they've been in the power league for one year. So let's let's pump the brakes on that slightly. And I will. First, I want to tell you about Chad at Legendary Home Loans. Does an awesome job. 844-FSU-LOAN is the number to call. 844-FSU-LOAN. I've used Legendary twice for my home loan needs. 
probably will do a third at some point, maybe on some investment property. We will see. Uh, but 844 FSU loan, 500 Nolcast listeners have done so. And that's a big deal because they trust us and they trust Legendary. So 844 FSU loan, link also in the show notes. All right, so rank the staffs in the state of Florida on scouting, coaching, recruiting, and program development. I think I can make an attempt at this. I won't guarantee that it, it will be perfect, probably you know, far from it, but let's let's try. Yeah. Okay, so scouting first. What do we mean by scouting? Are we talking about scouting high school prospects? Are we talking about scouting transfers? Are we talking about scouting your own roster? Because to me, all, all three of these things have different meanings. Think about it. So scouting high school prospects, how are we judging this? Are we judging this by you finding guys before everybody else finds them? Are we judging this by your two and three star players hitting at a higher rate than those of other programs? Are we judging this based on how you evaluate transfers? Some people would tell you like there's not a lot of not a lot of magic in scouting transfers. You just like they're they're fairly known commodities. It's all about just going to get them and show them. But I, I don't necessarily agree with that because I, I do think that there is a process in scouting transfers, both in terms of prioritizing and organizing your board as to who you want when it comes time to go out there when the transfer portal opens to be able to to know, and of course not tamper with them, but to know okay who could be available, who do we like. If they come open, we want to be on them. So speed, because of, of quality scouting, that matters there quite a bit. And then scouting your own roster. Making sure that you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater is a real important part of college coaching, especially in the transfer era. You, know, you need to understand who on your roster you prioritize and who on your roster you can let go. And I, I think that matters, honestly, quite a bit. So... uh this is a hard question, and I, I will point out throughout all of this, I don't think that I like doing an ordinal-style rank here unless I feel really, really good. Um, so just looking at this, I think the best at high school scouting, I think it's Florida by a pretty good margin. I, I think the Gators have done a... I just think their evaluation side in terms of finding guys early and getting on them early who later blow up and then the rest of the country wants those guys has been better than Miami and FSU by, by, by an amount where I would say their high school scouting is, is, is really good. They have an army of people. It, it's a very saving style model. And, and I, I think they do that very well. That's not to say that FSU and Miami have not had guys who they were on early who later blew up. Florida State notably had Luke Cromenhoek, right? Pretty pretty good example there. Got on him before he even started a high school game, and then all of a sudden, you know, he blew up. Miami's had a couple as well. So I, I would probably say when it comes to scouting and identifying high school players early, Florida won, and then probably Miami FSU you know, tied for, for second there because I don't really know how, how you want to separate those. But both have had some, you know, some hits and misses and, and and whatnot. So now scouting transfers, I, I do think here's a spot where uh, 
where you can probably rank this. I would go with the Knowles at number one based on their track record so far. Uh, they were an early adopter in the portal. They got on kids early. They took care of them early on. And they really, uh, they identified who they wanted and went after them and were were correct. Their hit rate in the portal has been really high. Not perfect. And look, in some cases, there's not a lot of scouting that needs to be done on a Keon Coleman. But if you recall, Johnny Wilson couldn't catch a cold at Arizona State. I mean, his drop rate was, what, in the, the mid to high teens? They saw something there. They said, okay, we, we can use this aspect of this player here. We can use this aspect of this player here. And we, we believe a Jared Verse is a guy who can come in and play and play well in the ACC because we watched the Syracuse film against Albany because we, we were about to play Syracuse and we saw him dominate, right? So I think Florida State's transfer scouting in terms of uh, hit rate and speed of identification has been extremely good. Uh, I will say Miami number two here. Miami's hit rate in the portal has been uh, pretty damn good. Now, Florida fans might quibble with this, and they might say, well, hey, look, everybody laughed at the Graham Mertz take, but he played he played very well in, in the role that the Gators asked him to play last year, and they're certainly not wrong. And Ricky Pearsall from Arizona State is another good hit they've had. Miami's transfer class this past year uh, hit at a very high rate. Both offensive linemen are guys who they, they ID'd, and they, I mean, they, the 2 0 linemen Miami took are, were, were better than the guys FSU took. So, got to give him credit for that. I, I think that was probably known at the time, but they, they got on them early and they were able to get him in the boat. Maui Noah at linebacker, excellent job. Now, is he obviously the brother of the five star tackle they signed? Yeah, he is. And they, they cobbled together a pretty solid uh, secondary as well, and they've had some, some good transfers on the defensive line. So I would say Miami two and Florida three when it comes to uh, ability to scout the transfer portal so far and, and to do so in an efficient and expedient manner. What about scouting your own roster? So that this one is, I think, a bit tougher, right? Because you have so little time to figure it out. There are, are each examples here where I can say, okay, they did a good job and they did a poor job. There are notable examples from all three teams of guys leaving and doing well elsewhere, and you're like, man, they, they should have held on to that dude. But I think in, in this case, I, I there's an argument to be made, my opinion, for FSU being at the top here as well. A um, couple things. One, can you say emphasizing Jordan Travis? I don't know. Maybe, but maybe not. So the maybe yes is the fact that they stuck with him and they poured a lot into his development. But the maybe not is that the fact that they took Mackenzie Milton and were intent on starting Mackenzie Milton over Jordan Travis. So I guess you got to, I don't know. You tell me what, what, what you would do with that one. Uh, they certainly didn't want Jordan to transfer, but at the same time, they did take somebody to start over him to start that 2021 season. So, um, yeah, just something to uh, to consider there. Now, Miami's had a couple of notable kids leave and play where or play very well elsewhere. And I don't think they were guys who were necessarily uh, program problems, but 
just not guys who Mario Cristobal originally recruited and uh, and so has Florida but Florida also has guys who they kept internally who who played well and and Miami uh, has also done that uh, you know Cam Kitchens and and uh, Leonard Taylor and and James Williams and guys like that were not uh they were not guys who Cristobal and them recruited but at the same time it's not like those dudes were guys who you would cast off and then go play well elsewhere so I really shouldn't give him credit for that I I don't know the the third the third category there is very difficult. So, I mean, I would put most of, of my weight for this ranking on what you do scouting high school, because I think that is a, a big-time advantage, potentially, if you're really, really good at it. And if you look at a lot of the guys Florida had in this class and last year's class, they they were on them early, and then you know Georgia and Alabama and Texas and, and the schools that recruited that super elite level, they, they came calling late for those guys. So I will say scouting, probably Florida one, and then FSU Miami, maybe tied for second, but you could, I guess you could say Miami third. It just sort of depends. And, and what, what you want to weight these really depends. Uh, up next is, I guess it's technically coaching, but I, I think we need to swap the order of these because scouting and coaching play, or scouting and recruiting kind of play similarly. Now let's, let's keep the order the same, but before we do, I want to tell you about Congruity HR Solutions. Matt Lewis does such a great job with that business. I believe we have, what, 10 NOLCAST adjacent businesses or, or listeners whose businesses use Congruity in some form or fashion. Congruity HR does an awesome job. Contact info, of course, in the show notes. Whether that's payroll, personnel, organizational management, they do it all. Optimize your business with Congruity. Matt Lewis, a proud NOL, supporter of the show, supporter of the program. And we really appreciate the continued support from Congruity. So from the standpoint of coaching, and I, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to put things like in-game coaching and player development in this category, because the other two categories are recruiting and then program development, which is more like running a program, hiring guys, that, that type of thing, right? So... I will say from the coaching category, I, I think there's a clear one here. And, and that that's Florida State. I think Florida State is a better coach football team consistently than Miami is or than Florida is. And I think the advantage shows up. Is it a win a year? I, I don't know if it's a full win a year, but I do think it's a meaningful thing. That's not that FSU never makes mistakes coaching. That's not that FSU has nothing but rock star coaches. But Florida State being a well-coached, high-floor football operation is a fairly bankable idea. Go back to the, the episode I did when Norvell got extended before the 2022 season. And I said, look, we don't know about the ceiling. We'll see if he can get the, the high school recruiting, where the truly elite players mostly come from, if he can kick that into gear. And we'll see if he will. Like, like this year is certainly better than, than than the prior year, but I mean, they're definitely not. Um, I, I don't know. Like, they're definitely not on that Georgia level yet. But we will see. And part of that too, I think, is is conference related. Now, you just don't see them do as much dumb stuff on the field as you see Miami and Florida do. We agree, they're one, right? 
I would think. You have a, a, a head coach who's an, a guy who's very well known for scheme as a play caller. Uh, Billy Napier, I guess, is technically a, a play caller and an offensive dude, but I don't think he's known for his scheme like Norvell is. It's not like his Louisiana offenses were, were amazing. Norvell scored a heck of a lot of points at Memphis. FSU scores a lot of points. They're, they're a legitimately good offensive operation. And you know, defensively, I, I think they're a fairly well-coached defense. You know, like, is it amazing? Could could you tell me that, hey, if you stuck them in, in another league, they wouldn't be as good? I, I guess in theory, on a week-to-week basis, they could face a, a greater grind of of opposing quarterbacks, but it, it's still a damn good defense. And they, they seem to understand like what fits and what doesn't, and, and they, they have a common goal that they're working towards, which is fair. All right, so who's two in coaching? And how big is the gap? This one for me... I think it's Miami. Now, you can tell me that Miami botched the Georgia Tech game, and you would be correct. They they did botch the Georgia Tech game. That was pretty bad. Um, and you could tell me that crystal ball teams oftentimes are not very well coached. That's fair. But for Napier and company to have a staff as large as they have and to well into the season be leading the nation in EPA lost to short yardage penalties and special teams penalties is quite frankly ridiculous. I mean, that, that's they, they had a game changer coordinator and they are not only not winning games on the margins in the little critical factors areas, but they're actively losing games in those areas. So I'm going to put Miami number two and Florida number three. I also think that Miami... Uh, I don't know if Shannon Dawson's a good coach or not. I don't really have a, a, a strong opinion either way. I know Lance Gidry is an elite-level defensive coordinator. I, I just think he's I mean, one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I think it's FSU 1, Miami 2, Florida 3. Is player development a good enough barometer to change my, or is, is that meaningful, meaningfully different enough to change my mind? I don't really think so. It's probably too early to tell in each of their stops. Again, Florida does a nice job of identifying talent. Napier did a nice job of that at Louisiana as well. But does, do any of these teams develop their players better than other teams do in the state? Again, to go back to what I said at the start, I don't really want to put a a stamp on this that says yes or no uh, overall because, well, I just, I I don't feel super strongly about this. Florida State has done a really nice job developing some of their multi-year transfers. Absolutely. You could also tell me that their hit rate on some of the high school guys they brought in has been somewhat poor, which I would agree with that as well. Although I think part of it is, I don't know, uh, some of these guys who who were celebrated early, I think if you listen to our shows, you'd be like, yeah, I just, I don't agree with some of the, some of the rankings by the other services on these guys, meaning that I thought they were overranked and just, you know, we'll, we'll see if they're really, you know, truly this position or do they have to slide inside or we, we, we sure that guy's a real, really a five-star, like he hasn't played like a five-star ever type, uh, type thing. So I'm going to say 
player development, let's call it incomplete or a wash, but coaching in terms of game coaching, scheming, making sure guys have good fundamentals, making sure they understand the game, which part of that does play into player development for sure. I think it's FSU 1, Miami 2, and the Gators 3. All right, let's talk Charlie Park Rooftop Restaurant. Charlie Park, awesome place to hit, hit it up. Brunch, graduation, little business meeting, nice place to go for a cocktail. Matt Thompson of the For the Table Restaurant Group does a tremendous job with that, as well as Madison Social, uh, Township, everything in, in their brand. I feel like I cannot go to Tallahassee without visiting at least one For the Table property, but Dude, Charlie Park is a really cool spot to hit up, and we really appreciate them supporting the show. It's awesome. I know Graham goes there uh, quite a bit when he's taking business meetings, and uh, yeah, we we love that they are supporters of the Nolcast. So let's talk recruiting. This one, I think, is, and this is just in terms of player acquisition. Okay, how how good are you? Not at identifying but actually going out and acquiring the players. This one, I would say Miami 1, Florida 2, FSU 3. At least in, in terms of high school, I'm I'm quite confident in that. But at the same time, I will say it is difficult to completely parse out the impact of NIL. Of course, NIL is not used as an inducement for recruiting, of course. That's just, it's just simply not allowed to be. However, um, the reputation of your NIL matters quite a bit, and it is not reasonable to ignore what happened with the Gators and the Jaden Rashada situation and how that impacted their recruiting this year. Recruits knew about that. I think that they, in some cases, looked at Florida with a bit of a skeptical eye, and I think that impacted them some. But in terms of operational philosophy, which is top-down. Like, does the head coach eat, breathe, sleep, recruiting? Does he hire coaches with an eye towards recruiting? Does he demand that coaches work really, really hard in recruiting, like a Nick Saban, a Kirby Smart, an Urban Meyer? I think Cristobal is is the highest in that mode and, and do, operates his program from that standpoint. I think Napier next, and I think Norvell third. We could talk about trade-offs here, too, because some of the guys who are really, really good at coaching probably don't want to work those level of hours that some of the other staffs do. But ultimately, yeah, I think that's really kind of where we are. Now, if we include transfers in this, again, it's hard to parse out some of the details that I just explained. I think you could probably say Miami clearly number one still, but maybe Florida and FSU tied. You know, in terms of salesmanship, I I don't know. FSU finished twelfth this year in high school. Florida finished fourteenth. FSU's got a better transfer class than the Gators do, by far. And and FSU is is really good at recruiting transfers. Miami is pretty damn good at it. I think the Gators are, are lacking in that area. Of course, you also have to basically have a, a control variable here that you need to kind of take out, which is what have you shown on the field so far? What, what kind of product are you selling? So the Gators are selling SEC, which helps, but they're not selling any sort of track record of success either during this current staff's time in Gainesville or even really 
in Gainesville at all during the uh, memorable lifetime of current recruits. And they, they were born, current recruits were born in what, 05? They were one year old when Florida won in 06. They were three when, when the Gators won in 08. Florida hasn't done a damn thing since, basically, in terms of winning the SEC or, you know, playing for a national title. So, yeah, um, I think it's, it's important to be able to parse it, parse that out. FSU has, like, the most recent success on the field to sell, followed by, actually, probably Florida and Miami third. But, again, recruiting is sales. And Miami is by far the best at recruiting in terms of, of recruiting elite-level prospects putting all like all the effort in that you need to put in absolutely grinding that level of just being relentless r- relentless with it Miami won I guess FSU and Florida tied but you, you can make an argument either way and then program development I, I think is is another one here that is interesting to look at so both well really all three coaches have a pretty good level of, of success at their prior stops. Norvell at Memphis, Cristobal at Oregon, and Napier at Louisiana. If you look at what they've done so far at their current stops, it's it's less for for all of them, but Norvell, you know, in terms of like winning percentage and whatnot, ha- has done the best. I think that FSU's program right now feels more stable because of how it's run than the other two do. Miami, I think, is a lot closer to FSU than it is to Florida because of the people supporting that program and because it's not always clean, but you know that Cristobal is likely to produce a winning product due to the level of recruiting and player development. So I'm going to say FSU number one here in this category because they – Everybody seems to understand what their role is. They, they pull in the same direction. They have a real track record of success over the last two years, winning 10 and in 13 ballgames and being royally screwed out of the playoff. You see more evidence, I believe, of Cristobal's blueprint than you do of Napier's. Cristobal at least has you know made a New Year's Six game and won a major conference at Oregon. Now, can he do so at Miami? There are different distractions at Miami. There are different things you have to handle. There are different people pulling you in different directions. So I don't know if it's 100% that he can. But you know, Norvell has not had constant coaching hire turnover with the exception of guys, for the most part, leaving for promotions. I think Woodson would be the example of a guy uh, who left elsewhere. Now, if you want to tell me there are certain guys on this staff who are problems because Nobody really wants them to promote them away. I I agree with you on that, actually. I I think that's fair, and that's worth looking at. Coaching stability is a good thing usually, but there's sort of an optimal level of coaching stability and turnover. And the optimal level of coaching turnover isn't 100% every year, which Miami's had a boatload of coaching turnover, but it's also not zero. It's sort of maybe, I don't know, 10 or 20% to where you want to have good coaches get hired away for better roles. And yeah, we'll see how this plays out over the next few years, right? I know there were some reports that Adam Fuller was considered for the BC job. I I never heard that. 
uh, from some agents I talked to, but again, I can't deny any report like that. And I, some people hit us up about that. I mean, I think he would have been a good fit. I think the dude plays extremely well in that area, hard worker, and uh, w- would do a good job if he got the BC job. But it, as of this recording, it, it looks like it'll be Bill O'Brien, and it would be a surprise if it is not. With respect to Florida and program development, I, I think this is where UF is, is probably clearly third, and maybe by a good bit. I've said this before, but just because you know how to hire a bunch of polo shirts, doesn't mean that you know how to execute the plan of getting all those all those polo shirts to pull in the same direction. We've seen a lot of Saban guys struggle with this. Part of the Saban plan is ex, is hiring a boatload of people. But the brilliance of the Saban plan is getting them to all believe their job is extremely important, to pour everything they have into that very small job, and to be the best at that job. And look, Napier can know this plan. He can have worked for Nick Saban. But he did not have the personnel in terms of staffing resources to execute this at Louisiana. So it really was an open question as to how he could handle this when he got the job in Florida. And so far, I don't think that he's done a good job of this. And if he gets fired, I think that's that's likely why it'll be, um, among other factors, clearly. So I'll go FSU 1. Miami two, and then Florida, kind of a, a distant third there. It's an interesting question. Sorry, the kids just got home from school. Just open the door. Mute this and say hi. All right, great. So everything here has to be balanced out. I think FSU is by far the highest floor program of the three right now. In terms of ceiling, we can debate that. I think that's largely based on how you recruit high school. And if you can hit on a stud quarterback, you could tell me Miami and Florida recruit high school better than FSU does, which is fair. But I will tell you that I think Florida State's quarterback room is maybe first, but no worse than second overall because of the young arms you've been able to stack in that room. I mean, Lagway is a, a pretty good freak, but would you rather have Lagway and nobody, or would you rather have Glenn and Cromenhoke? So that'll be interesting uh, to, to you know to to track going forward. I thought this was a fun question. I might do this a little more. Just take take one of our Patreon questions and turn it into something that's uh, maybe 30, 40 minute episode. What have you? Appreciate it. Drop some more in there. Uh, we have one which is really nerdy but it was asking us i i, I kind of like it but i don't know if i want to do a full episode on it it's like well, why does everybody have to go to collective bargaining why not just have open open contracts for everybody with with buyouts like we do coaches it's a fair question i'm gonna have to think on that more it's uh it's a little more chaos though when, when you're dealing with 85 guys under contract than you are a, a 10-man staff so hope everybody has a great week We'll probably try to do another one of these on maybe Friday for the weekend. And yeah, um, wish Saturday day was like it used to be, but it's not FSU signs. It's best class that it has under Mike Norvell. And we'll see if they can improve on that and jump into the top 10 next year. I'll see y'all.